better. Um, thank you all for coming. Um, this is um, our fourth session discussing uh, the path of taking shelter, Sharanagati. And um, today I, um, oh, there it is. Today, uh, um, I want to take uh, this session to discuss a little more background, to talk a little bit more about Shraddhanagati as, um, as an expression of Shraddha, an expression of faith, external expression of faith, as Bhaktivinoda Thakur puts it. Oh, okay. And um, I have slideshow again, and I only hope I can make it work the way it's something like the way it's supposed to. And Whoops. So, um, so this morning, uh, as I mentioned, uh, before we actually examine the six angas uh, of Sharanagati, I um, would like to take just a little more time to discuss um, uh, explore a little further Bhaktivinoda Thakur's um, assertion in Jaiva Dharma that uh, surrender is the expression, uh, the external expression of uh, Shraddha. So we see in Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita in the 22nd chapter of Madhya Leela, uh, quite a, uh, well, a dense chapter as many of them in this, especially in this um, part of Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita are. Um, we uh, see Lord Chaitanya instructing Sanatan Goswami. About the process of devotional service. And this is the chapter where uh, Lord Chaitanya goes through the 64 angas of sadhana bhakti that we see in uh, in the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, in the second chapter uh, of the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. So fairly early in the chapter, before he gets to that point, Mahaprabhu says, Krishna Kripalu Arjunere Lakshakanya Jogatera Rakhiachena Upadeshadiya. This is Krishna's so merciful that simply by aiming his instructions at Arjuna, he has given protection to the whole world. So this is one of the places where that we get the idea that we often hear that uh, by speaking to Arjuna, Krishna was actually speaking to all of us. Arjuna is kind of a stand-in for every person. Um, and so th this uh, Lord Chaitanya explicitly states that here. And then he says, he cites, um, Bhagavad Gita, uh, 
chapter 18 texts, excuse me, 64 and 65, um, should be fairly familiar verses. Sarvaguhyatamam huyasranu me paramang vachaha ishtosi me dridhung iti tato vakshami tehitam manmana bhava madbhakto madhyaji mam namaskuru mame vaishashi satyam te pratijani priyosi me. Because you are my very dear friend, I am speaking to you my supreme instruction, the most confidential knowledge of all. So he set this up in a couple of verses before as, you know, kind of uh, buckle your seatbelt. I'm about to give you the most confidential instructions of, uh, of all. Um, just as uh, the Lord sets this up in the ninth chapter uh, of the Bhagavad Gita. Ninth chapter is generally referred to as something like the most confidential knowledge. And um, Krishna builds up through the whole chapter um, uh, to uh, what th this most confidential knowledge is. What is the most important thing to know? And the, the greatest secret of all secrets, and that is manmana bhava madpakto madhyaji mam namaskuru. And so he states that in the middle of the Bhagavad Gita, and he states that again um, at the end. And at the very end, this is, you know, he's giving us um, uh, his final instruction, as we'll see. Um, because you are my very dear friend, I'm always think of me, become my devotee, worship me, and offer your homage uh, unto me. Thus you will come to me without fail. I promise you this because you are my very dear friend. So he says this in each of these two verses. You're my friend. I'm telling you this because this is a secret. Uh, and I'm telling you this is because you're my friend. But by telling his friend this, he's actually telling um, everyone. He's making this most confidential um, part of knowledge an open secret um, available to all. Pardon me, it's still quite early in the morning here. It's 5.30, so I'm uh, just kind of getting going. And then, uh, just after that, Lord Chaitanya says, Purva Gyaveda Dharma Karma Yoga Gyan Sabasadhi Sheshe Agya Balavan Although Krishna previously explained the proficiency of executing rituals, performing fruitive activities as enjoined in the Vedas, practicing yoga and cultivating jnana, these last instructions are the most powerful and stand above all others. And then, as, um, as we know, um, he uh, kind of puts an exclamation point uh, on that final instruction, um, that uh, ultimate instruction, by telling Arjuna, Sarva dharman parityajya mamekam sharanam braja, ahang twang sarva pape moksha ishami ma Abandon all varieties of religion and just surrender to me. I shall deliver you from all sinful reactions. Do not fear. So, you know, as, as we see in um, the previous Chaitanya Charitamrita verse, Lord Chaitanya is telling Sanatan that uh, Krishna has presented his argument to Arjuna as to why he should, um, uh, why he should just engage 
in this struggle, not, uh, not desist, not run away, um, rather than um, taking, rather than taking to the uh, going to the forest yoga that Arjuna suggests at the beginning of the Bhagavad Gita, instead he should do something even uh, uh, even more powerful, and that is engage in yoga in the world, and uh, so that he should. And and so he says, I've I've presented my argument to you from many angles of vision, many perspectives. Um, but here's the here's here's what you should really take away from this conversation. Just love me, And how do you show that? Forget all these things that we've been discussing. Don't worry about all these different, uh, you know, the, the 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 yoga and the jnana and the vairagya and um, all the different um, aspects of dharma. It says, forget all your conventional ideas of dharma and just take shelter in me. And even if there's some fault incurred in doing so, don't worry. He says, masuchaha, don't worry. Don't worry your, don't, as we say in America, don't worry your pretty little head. Um, because I'm capable of protecting you from any reactions um, to uh, to any faults that you know that might uh, occur in your doing so. So then we see that this is that um, uh, uh, that uh, faith and Sharanagati um, are discussed a little further in the eleventh canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam. This is the context in which we find the famous verse that we all, you know we often cite. Tasmad gurum prapadyeta jigyasushreya utma shabde parecha nishnata. And when discussing this verse, um, Guru Maharaj um, will often point out, he'll often preface it by saying, Who needs a guru? Does everybody need a guru? And, and then he'll, you know, he poses this rhetorical question. And, if, you know, of, oh, of course everybody needs a guru. No. Um, so this is in the um, third chapter of the uh, uh, of the eleventh canto of the Bhagavatam. This is King Nimi um, having encountered nine of uh, uh, King Rishabdev's sons, who were great sages. They were known as the Navyogendra, the great uh, the great yogic sages. And he posed a question to each of them. So. To Prabuddha, he, he uh, uh, of Prabuddha, he asked, "How is it that ordinary people caught, uh, you know, caught caught up in the illusory energy? How can they become perfect, spiritually perfect?" So Prabuddha responds, "Accepting the roles of male and female in human society, the conditioned souls unite in sexual relationships. Thus." They constantly make material endeavors to eliminate their unhappiness and unlimitedly increase their pleasure. But one should see that they inevitably achieve exactly the opposite result. In other words, their happiness inevitably vanishes and as they grow older, their material discomfort increases. 
Uh, and I can tell you from personal experience that uh, last clause is uh, quite true. So this is how Krishna character, you know, this is reflecting how Krishna characterizes um, the entire material um, experience in two words in the Bhagavad Gita, dhukalayam mashashvatam. That uh, dukkha, dukkha can be understood uh, in various ways. We generally say misery or suffering. Um, it doesn't have to be like the kind of abject misery that we, you know, that we sometimes, well, too often, well, I guess constantly hear in the news about some uh, famine somewhere or some political oppression as is going on in Myanmar right now, um, or uh, a war, uh, whether it's a civil war or an invasion or something like that. It doesn't have to be something as drastic as that. Um, dukkha can also be, uh, you know, when you get in the wrong line at the supermarket and there's that um, older lady in front of you who's counting out change to pay for her purchase, which is an entire uh, uh, grocery wagon full of, uh, of groceries. And she's counting out the pennies or, or maybe somebody's credit card was declined or the chip didn't work or something like that. And so you're stuck in line. I know what I usually do in those circumstances is I just turn around and apologize to the people behind me, explaining that it must be me because this um, happens quite often uh, whenever uh, whenever I'm checking out a, a, at a store. So, um, or somebody snake uh, somebody takes your parking the parking space that you've been waiting for. You've had an eye on the guy who's who's in the space backs out. You're sitting there with your turn signal on trying to let people know that uh, that you've claimed that space. And then um, as the guy pulls away, someone else just whips in really quickly and grabs the space. So, I mean, these are also suffering. Um, this is also dhukkha. So dhukalayam ashashvatam. And even when things go well for you, guess what? That's not going to, going to last because everything here is temporary. Now, fortunately, the suffering is also temporary. But certainly the enjoyment um, is also temporary. It runs its course. And quite often, the more the, the better it is, as Guru Maharaj likes to point out, the better it is, the more distressed we are when it has run its course. We, we become attached to that comfort or that pleasure or, or whatever it is. And then when it's gone, uh, we're suffering even more. So he'll say, you know, he'll say something like um, Dukalaya Mashashvatam. So, you know, even when it's going well, it's not going to last. And so, uh, you know, how well do you like that? Uh, so um, Prabuddha continues, wealth is a perpetual source of distress. It is most difficult to acquire and it is virtual death for the soul. What satisfaction does one actually gain from his wealth? Similarly, how can one gain ultimate or permanent happiness from one's so-called home, children, relatives, and domestic animals, which are all maintained by one's hard-earned money? So even wealth, for which uh, many of us uh, uh, strive, 
uh, is really just a cause of distress. We don't see um, very often that people who are very wealthy, who are ridiculously wealthy, are very happy people. Um, from my, uh, you know, from my days, one of the richest people in the world was uh, a fellow named Howard Hughes. He owned uh, an, uh, an airplane uh, company. Uh, he owned movie studios. Um, he was uh, rich, as, rich as anything. He owned all kinds of things, made money hand over fist. He was a good looking guy. He was um, inventive, innovative. Um, because he owned movie studios, he had um, access to enjoying with um, some of the most beautiful women in the world. And he did. And when he became older, he went mad, worrying about losing all his money. He didn't trust anybody. Every, he was suspicious of everyone. He was a complete germaphobe. And he was a great, I mean, he was just a crazy person. There are many um, uh, magazine articles written about the, the state of Howard Hughes's mind. Nowadays, we have one fellow who tells us that he's extremely wealthy. Um, but uh, we don't have any evidence that this gentleman is, uh, this man is happy at all. We, we you know, we've never um, seen him, seen him act like a happy person, like someone who's actually enjoying his, his life. Um, he just is not a pleasant person. So Prabuddha uh, continues, one cannot find permanent happiness even on heavenly planets, which one can attain in the next life by ritualistic ceremonies and sacrifices. Even in material heaven, the living entity is disturbed by rivalry with his equals and envy of those superior to him. And since uh, one's residence in heaven is finished with the exhaustion of pious fruit of activities, the denizens of heaven are afflicted by fear, anticipating the destruction of their heavenly life. Thus they resemble kings who, though enviously admired by ordinary citizens, are constantly harassed by enemy kings and who therefore never attain actual happiness. So Prabhupada is pointing out the, here the uh, uh, temporary nature of even uh, attaining svarga, uh, the highest plane of existence, the highest plane of pleasure um, in, uh, in the material world, uh, this life in the heavenly planets. Because as Krishna points out, when our pious, and, and, and Prabhuda points out here as well, um, when the pious fruit of activity, when the results of those pious fruit of activities, when your credit runs out, then you have to come back down to uh, the place of death. And so Prabhupada is telling us here that, and then, so then he says, tasmad gurum prapadyeta jigyasu shreya uttamaha shabde parechanishnatam brahman yupashamashrayam. Therefore, any person who seriously desires real happiness must seek a bona fide spiritual master and take shelter of him by initiation. The qualification of the bona fide guru is that he has realized the conclusion of the scriptures by deliberation and is able to convince others of these conclusions. Such great personalities who have taken shelter of the Supreme Godhead, leaving aside all material considerations, 
should be understood to be bona fide spiritual masters. So this, this verse begins with tasmat, tasmat, therefore. And when the verse is uh, presented out of context, um, that's kind of lost. This is who needs a guru, someone who has experience, who, whose faith in the, in the material, uh, in material existence, in, in the, whose faith in the pursuit of, of uh, material happiness has become eroded um, partly by experience. And um, then they, they understand that, that this really is just like, um, just like running on a hamster wheel. We run and run, we work hard to get ahead, but we're really getting nowhere. And the harder we run, the faster we're getting nowhere. Uh, and all we really have to show for it at the uh, end of the day, for all our endeavors at the end of the day, is the effort that we've made. Um, and, and, you know, we don't even, you know, when it, when it comes down to it, when it comes to the moment of death, we don't even get to enjoy um, whatever pleasure we might have given to other people, whatever we've contributed to the world, even, even that's lost. Um, and of course, fortunately, well, fortunately, we, uh, we don't uh, knowingly um, have to uh, deal with the um, pain that we've caused others along the way as well. Uh, we do because we know that um, the results of those activities will be visited on us in, in future lives. But, um, but we don't have a chance to, you know, we don't really have a chance to regret having, you know, been mean to that kid in junior high school or um, uh, having been an irresponsible uh, uh, employee or uh, a poor parent or poor spouse. We don't even get to regret those things specifically. Um, we just have to, uh, you know, we have to suffer and enjoy um, the results of, of those past activities without really understanding where it's coming from. Uh, many of us will point that out as perhaps a flaw in the law of karma. How am I going to learn my lesson if I don't know why it is I'm suffering? Um, still, uh, that's the way it's made. So um, really, all we, uh, all we have to show uh, for, for all that we might have attained and all that we might have inflicted on others in, in this life at, when it comes to the, uh, to the end is um, you know, having to suffer and enjoy those results without understanding where they came from, uh, the results of, of those things without understanding where they came from. So then we see in Jiva Dharma, uh, I'm, ho I'm hoping to, to show the connection, uh, progressively show the connection between uh, Shraddha and Sharanagati. So, you know, one part of faith um, is uh, from these instructions of uh, Prabhuta Rishi to King Nimi is um, an erosion of faith um, in, in material endeavor. And that becomes uh, supplanted or replaced by, um, by faith in spiritual endeavor. Um, and now we're starting to see how that happens. So in chapter six of Jaiva Dharma, Bhaktivinoda Thakur 
writes, some wise men have said the meaning of faith is conviction in the Vedas and the words of the guru. That meaning is not bad, but it is not clear. In my Sampradaya, the word faith is described as, fo as follows. And then he says, Shraddha Tvanyopaya Varjam Bhaktiyun Mukhi Chitta Vritti Visheshaha. Faith is a special function of the heart inclined to bhakti, devoid of other methods. And we'll see a further um, description from Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita in a moment. And then he continues, when in devotee association, one hears topics of the Lord and the heart understands that the jiva cannot attain anything uh, eternal from karma, jnana, or other methods. And there's no other goal for the jiva except taking shelter of the Lord's feet with pure love. One should understand that faith in the Vedas and, and the Guru's words have manifested. The form of faith is described as follows. Sacha Shodanapati Lakshana. Faith is characterized by surrender. Surrender is faith's external quality. It's its external manifestation. And then he lists the um, six um, aspects of surrender. Um, acceptance of those things favorable to the culture of bhakti, rejection of unfavorable things, the conviction that Krishna will give protection, the acceptance of the Lord as one's guardian or master, exclusive guardian or master, full self-surrender, atma samarpana, and humility. I will do, so then he paraphrases, he says, I will do what is favorable for pure bhakti and will reject what is unfavorable. That is my vow. So Guru Maharaj points out here, uh, uh, as, he, as he often does when he's talking about uh, anukulyasya sankalpa pratikulyasya varjanam, that the essence of, of these two angas is this determination, this sankalpa, this vow, um, that whatever um, enhances my practice of bhakti, um, I will embrace it. And whatever undermines that, um, I will uh, reject it. I will neglect it, maybe. Um, the Lord is my protector. I have faith that jnana yoga and other processes cannot accomplish this. I don't have, you know, I can't find any shelter in jnana. I can't find any shelter in yoga. And I sure can't find any shelter in karma. I gain nothing by my own actions. I can't protect myself. I will serve the Lord to my best ability of my to the best of my ability, and He will protect and nourish me. This is my conviction. So this is the heart of Sharanagati, this sense that I, I'm simply here to serve. And uh, the Lord will take care of me. He'll protect me. He'll uh, uh, nourish me. He, he will uh, provide everything that I need. This is my conviction. Who am I? Who, I am his and I do my actions by his desire. That's how I offer myself. Atmani Vedana. Srila Prabhupada often characterizes this Anga as having no interest other than the Lord's interest, giving up all self-interest. Atmani Kshepa, Atmani Vedana, Atma Samarpana, self-surrender. I'm worthless and miserable. Um, that's humility. Uh, I can't really take care of myself. I try, we do 
um, our best in all circumstances. And sometimes things seem to work out and sometimes they just don't, no matter how hard we try. It's like getting stick stuck. Um, if you've driven on the beach or you've driven in through mud <coughs> and gotten stuck, you know that the, the more you uh, press on the accelerator, the, the more stuck you're gonna get, the deeper you dig yourself into that mess. So you have to stop, uh, kind of assess the situation and you have to take remedial measures, find something to put under the wheel that, that it will, the, the uh, tread of the tire will be able to grab and create some traction so that you can move um, out of the hole. Um, being situated with the heart, which makes this vow, whoops, I'm sorry, which makes this vow full of faith, conviction, surrender, and humility. That's faith. And then we can take a look at where we get faith. Where, where does this, where does the faith in bhakti come from? And we saw a hint uh, before when in, in, when in association one hears topics of the Lord and the heart understands that the jiva cannot attain anything eternal from karma, jnana, or any other methods, and that there's no goal for the jiva except taking shelter in bhakti. So um, we see that uh, I, I think this is also from Jaiva Dharma. I forgot to put a citation. So we hear faith arises by Sukriti. This is related in Brihanaradiya Purana. Uh, Bhaktistu Bhagavad Bhakta Sangena Purijayate Satsanga Papite Pumbi Sukritai Purvasanchitai. Bhakti arises by association with devotees of the Lord. That association is attained by persons who have previously accrued Sukritis. Sukritis are of two types, Nitya and Nainitika. So the Sukriti, Sukriti means good activities. So there are two kinds of, of Sukriti. There are material uh, good activities and there are spiritual good activities. There are, are, are uh, you know, occasional uh, uh, good activities that, that, that are meant for making our situation here in the world better. And, uh, and there are those that are meant for uh, creating a, a situation for our chitta in which we can um, embrace the path of bhakti, bhakti unmukha sukriti. So we know that uh, Srila Rupa Goswami uh, lists nine stages that uh, the, the uh, devotee, the uh, aspiring devotee uh, grows through um, as they practice bhakti from uh, shraddha, from initial uh, faith, um, all the way to prema. Now, in one of his um, purports, I think in a, 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 I think in a verse on the second in the second chapter of the Bhagavatam, where uh, the uh, different uh, stages of bhakti are suggested, in one of his tikas, one of his commentaries on one of those verses, Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur suggests that there might be fourteen stages, and so there are a couple of stages before shraddha, before that initial shraddha that, um, that um, uh, seem to describe um, in being engaged in agnyata sukriti and, and then, then gradually more uh, cognizant, more uh, uh, overt um, uh, uh, bhakti sukriti. And one example that, that uh, 
Tripurari Maharaj likes to give is uh, this doorman. And I think as it was in New York City, when Srila Prabhupada arrived at some building for a meeting, uh, there's this doorman. This is a guy who's probably working for minimum wage, maybe even less than that, and tips. And um, his business is when someone pulls up to the building, they open the, the, the door to their car, they escort them to the front door of the building and, and hold the door for them as they, as they enter. And this is just the guy's job. But on, you know, on, on, a particular, on certain occasions, Srila Prabhupada would pull up in his car um, for a meeting. And this, this gentleman, this doorman, would um, open the car door for Srila Prabhupada, escort him to the front door, open the door and hold it for him as he entered. And then the same thing when he came out. And he's just doing his job. And, you know, he may or may not have remarked later that, well, there was this um, very dignified Indian gentleman in, uh, you know, in saffron robes. Uh, and I got to you know, do this for him today. He may, he may not even notice it because it's just a constant stream of people. But that sets him up in the future for being able to take even more advantage, just more systematically. Uh, of the association of devotees. So Bhaktivinoda continues, that Sukriti by which one attains, uh, which uh, that Sukriti which one attains by association of devotees and bhakti is nitya, eternal. That Sukriti by which one attains material enjoyment and impersonal liberation is naimittaka. The Sukriti uh, which gives eternal results is nitya or eternal. And the Sukriti which gives results which takes shelter of a cause, naimitta, uh, nimitta, that's our material motive, is naimittika or temporary. So it's bound by time. And then um, he cites a verse from one of the Puranas, Tadvigyanartam sagurumeva bigachet samitpani shrotriya brahmanishtam. To understand things properly, one must humbly approach with firewood in hand. In other words, um, ready to engage in service. And uh, just as Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, by service and submission, submissive hearing especially, asking um, open-hearted questions. Uh, one approaches the deity like deity approaches the guru with that kind of attitude. Just, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Chanakya Pandit also says, just as we get well, um, from a water, uh, uh, just as we get water from a well by digging, so we attain knowledge from the guru by service. So, uh, firewood in hand. Um, approach a spiritual master who is um, uh, Samitpani Shotriya Brahmanishta, who is learned in the Vedas and firmly devoted to the absolute truth. And he continues, association with devotees means conversing with pure devotees, serving them and hearing their talks. Um, in the, um, the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, Srila Rupa Goswami describes um, association of devotees and where he lists it among the angas of bhakti, uh, as he's listing it among the 64 angas, he lists it right after hearing Srimad Bhagavatam from uh, from those who are able to relish it. Um, and then he says, Sajati Asaye Snigde 
sadhu sangha satovare and those those devotees in whose association you re, you can relish hearing the topics of, of krishna those de, there there are a couple of qualities that need to be noted sajati jata has to do with birth or kind um, so they're devotees of the same kind um, uh, some some sometimes we describe that as being like-minded um, i prefer to uh, call it like-hearted i think it's uh, closer to the point uh, so they're from the same group we have the same we have similar spiritual goals uh, snigte they're affectionately disposed toward us and svatobade they're more advanced than we are um, so pure devotees perform angas of bhakti such as nagara kirtan etc by some means contact, contacting the the activities of bhakta bhakti or performing the activities of bhakti is called associating with those activities of bhakti activities of bhakti are described in the scripture cleaning the temple offering lamps to tulsi observing ekadashi etc so we learn about these different angas of sadhana bhakti practical uh, devotional service um, in the association of devotees we all have that experience even though these activities of bhakti are not performed with pure faith or happen accidentally they are sukriti which nourish bhakti when that sukriti becomes strong then faith in pure bhakti and association with devotees can manifest after many many births one must consider uh, one shakti called the shakti of the object um, all activities of bhakti have the shakti to nourish bhakti they do not require faith in their performance so we don't have to be thinking uh, you know, oh, by doing this i uh, I'm, I'm i am uh, making progress toward life's ultimate goal if somebody walking down the street encounters a Nagar Kirtan party, what Prabhupada called Street Sankirtan, which is now often referred to as Harinam uh, Kirtan. Um, it's, all, by the way, it's also Harinam Kirtan when we perform it in the temple or at our homes. So Srila Prabhupada called this Nagara Kirtan, Street Sankirtan. So if someone encounters those devotees, or maybe you're just going through the airport and you come across this gentleman, very intense, um, gentleman who uh, feels your heart and approaches you with the book and, try, and, and tries to show you how your life will, will benefit um, if you take this book and then take it home and take it seriously. Um, try to understand what's being presented in the book a and maybe make some donation um, uh, toward the uh, printing of future books. Um, any of these things you know, all of these things, we don't have to be thinking, oh, wow, this is my lucky day. Uh, I met Tripurari Swami at, uh, at O'Hare Airport, and, and I got, a, got the first three volumes of the Bhagavatam. And, and, you, know, and you, dance all the, you dance all the way home. It, it, even, if you don't un, even if you don't understand at all what's going on, and uh, you, you may find it, maybe a bit of a strange encounter. Still, that is Bhakti Sukriti. And all of a sudden, I can't see my, okay. 
So, um, so you know, even if it appears to be accidental, just like in my case, I, um, I went, uh, I just, I was just going to a rock concert. I went to a Jimi Hendrix concert in May of 1969 here in Honolulu, and. Uh, you know, I'd heard the Maha Mantra. I liked it. It was my favorite song in the from the uh, what we called the uh, tribal rock opera hair back in the in the late sixties. Um, but until I heard it chanted by devotees, it didn't really make a strong impression on my heart. And the minute I heard it being chanted by devotees, though, it was like, oh, my heart, it's like the course of my life changed in that moment. But the thing is, that wasn't my first encounter with a kirtan party. Otherwise, you know, I might have just walked by. Instead, I was glued to that company. Well, me and uh, I and thousands of other people were. It was quite a, an evening. So they don't require faith. And then he cites um, a, a verse from the Skanda Purana that says, the name of Krishna is sweeter than the sweetest, the most auspicious of all things auspicious, the highest fruit in the tree of all Vedas. And it's composed entirely of pure consciousness. Oh, best of Virgo's dynasty, heard once with faith or in negligence, it can deliver any human being. So there's a bat when, when we uh, come into the association of devotees, as suggested by Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur's four, 14 um, stages of bhakti, um, that there's some previous sukriti. By the time that we actually get some faith in enough faith to actually take advantage of the association of devotees. And then we see this from a, a slightly different angle in uh, Madhurya Kadambani, uh, that, that the faith that we get comes from the association uh, of devotees. Uh, so Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur says, in proposing the unqualified mercy of the devotee as the cause of devotion, one should not see a fault in the devotee's partiality in distributing mercy. So, our, you know, this faith, it comes from the association of devotees. It's a gift um, of the devotee's mercy, a result of the mercy of those devotees. If one considers the nature of the Madhima Bhakta, one finds that he exhibits partiality in his distribution of mercy. Prema Maitri Kripo Peksha Yakaruti Samadhyamaha. He exhibits devotion toward the Lord, friendship to the devotees, mercy to the innocent, and disregard for those hostile to bhakti. In this case, the Lord becomes subservient to his devotee. The context for this um, discussion is the this is the very uh, beginning of Madhurya Kadambani before Vishwanath Chakravarti begins to discuss the these nine stages proper. And so he wants to uh, give us a sense of the nature of bhakti. So he kind of elab rather elaborately explains how Krishna, how independent Krishna is, and that is absolutely supremely independent. And then he makes the point that bhakti being his internal potency being, being a manifestation of his internal potency, is every bit as independent as Krishna is. And she can go wherever she wants. But here's how she actually works. 
She takes shelter in the hearts of the devotees who accept bhakti from the association of devotees. And when those devotees uh, come to this intermediate stage uh, of bhakti, where they, um, they, you know, they not only um, uh, have appreciation for God, but they're able to appreciate um, those who are devoted to God um, and uh, are naturally disposed to be kind to those who are innocent and just not have any time at all for those who are manifestly uh, hostile, as Bhaktivinoda puts it here, to, to the Lord. Then wherever they show their kindness, she follows their lead. Um, uh, Vishwanath says that uh, Krishna takes these, uh, these uh, Madhyama Bhakta preachers, Madhyama Bhagavat preachers or teachers, and um, empowers them um, as um, agents. He deputes them as agents of his Kripa Shakti. So um, he says, it's, therefore, the Lord becomes subservient to his devotee, bestowing his mercy in accordance with the devotee's mercy. But there's no irregularity in this arrangement. So uh, he likes, uh, Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur, as, as we probably know, likes to um, tease um, an idea out by uh, uh, playing devil's advocate or Purva Pakshin along the way. And so here he's, you know, he's kind of asking these questions. Well, what about, you know, if we say uh, that, that uh, we get bhakti by the mercy of the devotee, does that mean that the devotee is partial? Because some people, you know, they'll give it to some people and not others. And so he's exploring that here. There's no irregularity in this arrangement because the reason that mercy appeared in the devotee is that bhakti is in his heart. She has taken shelter in that devotee's heart. And without having bhakti, there's no possibility of the devotee manifesting mercy to others. The mercy is the self-manifesting self independent nature of bhakti. Therefore, in the statement, the person who has attained faith in the service of the Lord by extreme good fortune. The word atibhagyena, extremely good fortune, ati is a, an intensifier. It means extremely or exceedingly. Um, so, and the devotees are de, uh, those who received uh, bhakti, who've taken to bhakti, are described in the Bhagavatam as atibhagya, exceedingly fortunate. We can't under, understand um, what uh, what kind of fortune has brought them to uh, good fortune has brought them to engaging in bhakti. So the word atibhagyena, extremely good fortune, should be understood to mean the attainment of the mercy of the devotee which surpasses the results of material pious activities. But one should not conclude that since the devotee is dependent on the will of the Lord, the devotee cannot initiate the bestowal of mercy since the Lord willingly becomes subservient to the devotee and gives preeminence to the devotee's position by granting him the power to bestow the, Lord, bestow the Lord's mercy. He makes him an agent of the Lord's Kripa Shakti. Though as Paramatma, he simply oversees the affairs of the jiva's external senses, which are the reward of past activities, the Lord personally shows special mercy to his devotees by giving them his own independent power to bestow mercy on others. 
So we get that faith uh, by the mercy of the, of the devotees. And then we go back to the 22nd chapter of the Madhya where Lord Chaitanya is uh, discussing with Sanatana Goswami. And he says, Shuddha Shabde Vishwas Kohi Sudhartha Nishchoy Krishne Bhakti Koile Sarva Karma Kritahoy. So when we talk about Shraddha, when we talk about faith, we're not talking about mere belief. Uh, belief that my football team is better, is the best football team, or, or, or that my uh, city is the most wonderful place in the world to live, or that my church is the only way to approach God, or that uh, my country is the best place, or whatever. Um, these are all believe. These things are all these these um, beliefs um, are not real faith, because what we see here as described as faith, shodha, means vishvasa nishchay. It's firm conviction based on experience and based on um, receiving instruction from the devotees that by rendering rendering transcendental loving service to Krishna that we automatically perform everything else. We actually attain everything else. This is this kind of faith is favorable. So this is that that um, eternal uh, faith that's um, been described previously. And then the Lord says, uh, oh, and then now the Lord says, this is elsewhere. This is in the fourth chapter of the um, Antialila. This is another meeting of Lord Chaitanya with Sanatana Goswami uh, in Puri. Um, and so most of us have heard the story. Sanatana Goswami has traveled uh, to, um, to see Lord Chaitanya and Lord Jagannath. And um, he's gone through the Jharikhanda forest where he's picked up some infection that causes open um, oozing sores on his body. So he's thinking, well, my, my body's just become gross and it's, I've got to stay away from the temple. I can't be around those who are going to see Lord Jagannath because I'll just contaminate them. And I certainly have to stay away from Mahaprabhu because he's so affectionate from me that every time he sees me, he throws those long arms around me and draws me to his chest in, an, in a loving embrace. Um, and so what I'll do is I'll commit a kind of spiritual suicide. I'll get rid of this disgusting contaminated body by throwing it under Lord Jagannath's cart during the, the Rathyatra festival. Now Lord Chaitanya is able to discern this and he's in the habit of coming to see Haridas Thakur, which is uh, who uh, Sanatana Goswami, because Haridas Thakur keeps himself away from the temple, not wanting to contaminate, contaminate the devotees by his body from a low birth. Um, so Sanatana Goswami stays with him, feeling himself similarly cast out. And um, so Lord Chaitanya comes to see him and he tells him, I know what's on your mind, but I don't want you to go there. I don't even want you to think about it. Um, and so he explains, he says, Sharanagatera kinchana eka e lakshana, tar madhe praveshayatma samarpana. There are two kinds of devotees those who are fully satiated and free from all material desires, and those who are fully surrendered to the lotus feet of the Lord. Their qualities are one and the same. But 
those who are fully surrendered to Krishna's lotus feet are qualified with another transcendental quality, atma samarpana, full surrender without reservation. And then he says, diksha kale bhakta kare atma samarpan, se kale krishna tare kare atma sam. At the time of initiation, when a devotee fully surrenders to the service of the Lord, Krishna accepts him to be as good as himself. Diksha kale bhakta kore atma samarpan. As the devotee engages in this kind of surrender, this external expression of their faith in bhakti, then se kale krishna tare kore atma sam. Krishna sees them as being as good as himself. And then he says, se deha kore tar chidanandamoy aprakrita dehitanga when the devotee is when the devotee's body is thus transformed into spiritual existence it becomes completely it becomes made of spiritual substance then the devotee in that transcendental body is able to render service to krishna's lotus feet and in the first just before the diksha kale verse uh, the lord has also used that um phrase chidanandamoy to um, describe uh, the devotee's body. And so he's not talking about a spiritual body here. He's not talking about our Siddhadeya, but he's talking about a spiritualized body. And it's spiritualized to the extent that we engage in self-surrender and um, embrace uh, transcendental loving service uh, to the Lord. So this is... Um, you know, this um, Atma Samarpana, Atma Nivedana, is that uh, Sharanagati, Sharanapati that's described. For some reason, I have an empty screen here. It's described in, um, in the scriptures as, as faith, which is manifested externally in these six ways. Anukulyasya Sankalpa Pratikulyasya Varjanam. Um, accepting things that are favorable to the culture of bhakti, rejecting things that are unfavorable, the conviction that Krishna will protect us in all circumstances, accept, accepting him as our exclusive guardian and, and uh, uh, provider, complete self-surrender, atmanikshepa, atmansamarpana, atmanivedana, and uh, karpan, the humility, seeing ourselves as uh, completely uh, useless. Now, that is um, the presentation I wanted to make uh, this morning. And uh, next week, we'll uh, start discussing uh, the first of the um, Angas of Sharanagati. And uh, we know we know from seeing Bhaktivinoda Thakur's songs that he starts with humility, and um, and uh, uh, ends with um, uh, accepting things that are favorable. Uh, I'm going to follow the uh, order that we see in in the original verse. Um, are there any questions, or is there some discussion from the devotees? I think you're unable to. You're able to unmute yourselves, if I remember correctly. I hope. Oh, heck, I didn't actually mute everybody. Everybody's voluntarily muted. Such nice students. Anything at all? Mahara? Mahara? 
Yeah, that was a great class. I just want to tell you that was my favorite one so far. Whoops. Wait a minute. I have to turn this off so I don't make your... Okay, do you hear me now? I'll hear you fine. Okay. Yeah, that was a really good class. Thank you. I really oh, enjoyed you. it. It was my favorite. That's good nice job. That say that. However, I have to point out, everybody, we all know Mahara a little. Um, Mahara says that about every class she hears. That's my, That's the best one yet. That's my favorite class. Just like we had a friend um, who used to live in the ashram, um, Madhu Mangala, and he would say, that is the best halava that I've ever had, or that's the best subji I've ever had. Um, so he's all, you know, Mahara is always expressing her appreciation for the devotees like that. But I take it seriously. Um, yeah, I'm serious. And I'm very, I'm very grateful. Did you have any points that you wanted to make uh, or questions? No, I just found the whole thing really powerful. I have to listen to it again, of course. Good. If I did, if I did everything right, <laughs> we'll find out later what mistake I've made today. Did the, did the slideshow play for everybody? Mm -hmm. Okay. That's a mistake I didn't, I'm not making again. Um, anything else? Kanuram. Hare oh. Krishna Maharaj. Haribo. Oh, you'll have to forgive me. I, somebody uh, seems like I have an important call about a job coming in. I do have a question, but I'll have to ask later. Okay. I look forward to that. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for coming. Anything else? Anyone? Okay. Well, thank you all um, very much for your company. It, as we saw today, it's the association of devotees that, that creates our good fortune. And so it's it's uh, been my good luck today to be uh, in the company of, uh, of you devotees. Not as many as we had a couple weeks ago, um, but there we go. People have things to do. Thank you so much. Gora Bhaktavrinda Kijai. <laughs>